0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome one and all to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. He's Anthony Pusic. I'm Don LaGreca. And over there is EJ Raddick. He usually joins us on Monday, but he was indisposed. Something about a wife and family and things that really shouldn't matter to all of us. But it matters to him, and that's all that matters to everybody. And he's now joining us here on Wednesday. How are you, buddy?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm over here, as you put it. I'm (laughs) just over here. Just as you envision a sitting there.
0: there. Uh, I'm just happy to be over here. How did you enjoy Toronto?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, it was, uh, I've been to a lot of All-Star weekends over the years. I was thinking about it when I was there. I was at the the All-Star game in Chicago when the, uh, I guess, if you're old enough to remember, there was, and I know you are, Don, the... uh, you know, the, the famous kind of national anthem It was right around the time of the first Iraq war. And, uh, there was a, a lot of patriotism and in the air and, uh, you know, worry about, uh, the, the servicemen that were going over there and dealing with that. And, uh, you know, it was a very emotional national anthem and kind of, uh, you know, I think about the – all. I believe Guy Lafleur was in that All-Star game. It was like one of his final All-Star appearances. And, right. You know, the players that were there and, you know, where we've gone in all those years since then. So um, a lot of different formats over the years, a lot of different ways they try to make it work. It's difficult because you can't expect, you know, guys are going to be playing, banging into each other and playing like a real hockey team. In that circumstance, but uh, but I thought it went well. I the league they uh, went back to the the draft. I thought the the celebrities and uh, they brought in were were helpful. And I think uh, you know the Justin Bieber was a just thrilled to be there and kind of stole the show with that big puffy cody hat on the bench. And right. you know, the guys all competed well and the skills were a little better. I think the way they did it. So it was fine. It was a fun weekend, and I'm sure a lot of fans and young kids that that were there will probably have memories that will uh you know they'll remember they'll have in have with them for many many years to come
0: and we got a little news out of uh Toronto just about having the a, a the, little uh, <laughs> what was that
1: a little there was a lot of no guys, like where to begin traded, Got yeah, guys are getting traded. Coaches are getting fired. They're announcing Olympic tournaments. They're announcing uh, the Four Nations thing next year, and so there was a lot.
0: Yeah, the Four Nations thing I think is weekend. going to be fun, and it kind of sets you up for the Olympics. And I, I guess just your general thought on uh, the NHLers returning in 2026 to Italy.
1: Uh it's it's uh, it's exciting. The guys want to go. I mean, and, and as you know, fans want to see best on best hockey. It's part of the legend, the lore, and legend of hockey over the the last uh, several decades when, you know, when you think about, you know, going back to, you know, the summit series in 72 with the Canadians and the Russians, that's like one of the the epic moments in the history of, of the sports. And then of course, you know, the Olympics in 1980, the miracle on ice, I just recently revisited the documentary that ESPN did with Slava Fatisov looking at that, Miracle on Ice from the Russian perspective and the history of Russian hockey. So that was kind of, that was, it was really fun to watch that again. Um, and then, you know, you think of the Canada Cups and the, the you know, the, the Challenge Series and the other, you know, the pros get into the Olympics in uh, 98 in Japan and uh, all the different memories we have from that over the last couple of decades. So, uh, you know, it's good to see this generation of stars, you know, we haven't seen, Connor McDavid put on the red and white for Canada in, you know, in, in a, in a senior best on best. I mean, you see it at world junior, but now to see it at this level, um, you know, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel wearing the red, white and blue, right. and, you know, you go through all the different countries. So, uh, it's great. Um, glad to see they worked out on, you know, the, as Gary Bettman called them, big ticket items, which is like the insurance for the players and, and things of that nature you know, with the IIHF and the IOC, and it uh, should be great. And in the short term, next next February, to have a a Four Nations uh, shorter tournament that's controlled by the NHL, that's running NHL buildings in a window right after the Super Bowl. I've been a big proponent of doing something like that for many, many, many years now because the league controls it. The league can sell it. It becomes a revenue driver for the league and for the NHLPA. And they could sell it to, you know, if CVS wants to air it. I mean, they could buy it as a package. And I think it'll be great hockey. And, you know, we'll be, uh, it'll whet everybody's appetite for the Olympics uh, the following February in 2026.
2: Now, EJ, you mentioned it. Uh, two trades that kind of caught everybody's attention during the break. Uh, you had the Vancouver Canucks improving by getting Elias Lindholm. And then you had the Jets uh, trading for Sean Monahan. Um the trade actually from between Vancouver and Calgary kind of paid dividends for both teams last night. The Flames, Kuzmenko scores the first goal and they stun the Bruins in Boston. And then Lindholm scores two goals and the Vancouver Canucks pick up a very nice win against Carolina. Are those two teams trying to set themselves apart and saying that we believe that we are two of the best teams in the West? And by making those deals, do you think they've put themselves in a position to face off in the Western Conference Final?
1: Well, they they they've made themselves better, right? I mean, they've helped themselves through a really in a really important area of of the ice. They've helped themselves through the middle, and Lindholm is someone that can play wing or center, and he played wing last night alongside uh, Elias Pettersson. And uh, you know, I I guess it'll, you know getting these guys early gives the respective coaches Rick Tockett and and uh, Rick Bonus opportunity to to kind of have these guys get, uh, you know, integrated into their respective teams and find out where they best fit. I think, uh, you know, Lindholm is someone that has, I think, a, you know, I think brings a little more to the table, but Sean Monaghan has been a good faceoff man. He could help you on the power play. He kind of fits in between Shifley and Lowry, gives them a left shot, right shot, one, two up the middle. Um, I think both guys obviously help their teams, give their teams better chances moving forward in the playoffs. To me I see I see six teams, you know, in the West. I think the Western Conference playoffs are just gonna be a bear because you know, the opportunity for Vancouver and Winnipeg with these players maybe to get to the top of their respective divisions and avoid really difficult first round matchups, you know, are I think another component of this because, you know, in the in the Pacific we had a great matchup last night with Edmonton and vegas i'm sure we'll talk about that but those two teams and vegas isn't even healthy right now they're missing you know the top center and uh you know one of their best defensemen um but you see those two and then you have vancouver and then in the in the central you have dallas you have colorado and you have winnipeg you know to avoid those first round matchups you know you still have to win your matchup it still will be difficult i mean la is a team that even though they've struggled And they've changed coaches. I mean, that was a team that was playing really well early in the year, and they have the personnel to be a dangerous team as well. So I just think it's going to be tough to navigate in the West. So those acquisitions, I think, will help those teams maybe stay at or near the top of their divisions. And if they can win their respective divisions, it creates a better path.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it too. Edmonton finally loses. They score the first goal, McDavid, but then three unanswered for Vegas. And boy, Vegas is just an incredible team considering all the injuries, and, and they still are able to maintain. That's a good win for them. And, you know, Edmonton probably got messed up by the break. I mean, that's a long break to have to go on in the midst of this streak. But just what an incredible streak 16 games, one shy of the NHL record, and, and a really good game late last night.
1: Yeah, it was a great game. It was a standalone, which was really nice. I mean, it was like a heavyweight fight, right, in, in Vegas and uh, Super Bowl week. And there was no other game at 10 o'clock. All the other games were over, so it was a game you could really focus on. and You could see just on social media, a lot of people were were dialed into it and uh, paying attention and give. Vegas, a lot of credit. They're missing, as I mentioned, Eichel and Theodore. They get that win. I don't. I thought Edmonton played well in the game. I think it was really Aiden Hill made the difference. I mean, yeah. Aiden Hill, Bruce Cassidy said it afterwards. He goes, uh, you know, we wouldn't have won without the performance of our goalie. And, you know, he's a really good goalie. And it gets, It goes back to something that I think we've talked about here about Vegas is like, you know, with George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon and their scouting staff, they have done a really good job of finding players and putting them in the mix of their team. I mean, yeah, you can go out and trade for Eichel or you can sign Petrangelo, you know, those are gimmies, right? We all know those are really good players, although it was there was some risk involved with Eichel at the time because of his injury situation. But to find, you know, the the Nicholas Waz and the the Zach White Clouds and the, the other guys and put and make them make him part of your team and then to get Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill was originally drafted by the Arizona Coyotes. My good friend Tim Bernhardt is, uh, was the scouting director there at the time. They liked his size. You know, in Arizona, a lot of things. I mean, it was a, it's been a struggle there, as we all know. He moved on to San Jose. You know, the San Jose Sharks were in a rebuilding mode. For the Vegas Golden Knights to, to kind of find this gem out there that everybody could have really found a way to get Aiden Hill. It wasn't like a high price anybody was paying for him. And he comes in, and he's been just terrific for them. He helped them win the cup last year, and he came back from injury, and he came back really sharp, and he was great last night. And to me, he was a difference maker in that game. I think Edmonton could have easily won, but Aiden Hill uh, made the difference, and I guess get used to it, right? We're all used to seeing this as we move forward. I mean, teams that are going to have success, you're going to have your goalie, even if he's he's one of the best in the league or if he's just a guy that's hot at the right time, obviously makes a difference on a night-to-night basis.
2: Now, EJ, on Monday, I made the bold claim. Somebody asked us on Twitter, who do we think will win the President's Trophy? And I tried to go a little off the beaten path and not go with the obvious of either Boston or Vancouver like Don did. I said, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the Panthers would have a shot. Now, of course, they followed that up with a 2-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers uh, last night. But what do you see for this Panther team that seems to have a lot of offensive firepower? Where do you see them finishing out uh, in the Atlantic?
1: I don't know if they'll win the president's trophy I mean I wouldn't predict that to happen, but I think they're the best team in the East. I think they have all the pieces in playoffs to, to be the best team in the East and to come out of the East again which is a pretty big statement when you consider teams that lose in the Cup final the previous year. if you go look through history it's not it's not often that they round, they bounce back the next year and get back to the cup final or win the Cup. It doesn't you know I, I'm sure that it happens. But it doesn't happen really as often as people might think. So it's been, I think, uh, an impressive year for for Florida thus far. They started the season without a couple of their important defensemen. They had another couple of guys from last year's team that left via free agency. Um, they, you know, it was kind of a slow start for for Kachuk, who was coming off a significant injury in the off season. Um, so for me, I like their team. I, I just think they've got enough. You know, their forward group is is diverse. It's uh, They've got a lot of different guys that can score and are dangerous. It's been an unbelievable year for Reinhardt. I mean, that's really well documented in his contract year. Good for him. Uh, you know, the defensemen, Eckblad, and and Montour have come back into the mix, added to the guys they brought in there. So I think they have some depth there. Wabrowski is is really good in goal. When they have to turn to Stolars, I think he's a really effective goalie as well. as a number two. Uh, Paul Maurice knows how to do this. He's done it for many, many years in terms of getting teams, you know, uh, ready to play good, hard hockey in the playoffs. So, you know, for me, I really like their team. I just don't – I like, like, a loss last night. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of who they are in the, in the regular season. They have losses that you don't uh, always anticipate. But they've been on a really good run. and And you might end up Anthony being right because – you know, this is a really good hockey team, and they're going to win a lot of games in the second half of the season. Like I said, I think it's going to be, that's going to be a tough out for anybody playing them in the first round because not only do they have a strong roster, they've been there just last year, and a lot of those guys are hungry to finish the job
0: I had mentioned it um, last week when I was in Ottawa doing the Rangers Senators and got a chance to talk to Jacques Martin and he said he was in Florida when they made the move to go to Paul Maurice and he's like even though it was a shock this eight seed barely got into the playoffs made the run he said they were growing towards what they are now so last year was less of a fluke. It was just a team gelling at the right time, and now you're seeing it so far this year. Now we'll see if Anthony's right and they win the President's Trophy, but they're proving to you that that run last year was no joke. The The door was open, kicked open by Pittsburgh losing to Chicago, and that was a break that they got, but uh, they're for real, and it just takes time for a new coach to kind of implement the system. And maybe that's what's going on with the Rangers now too, right? They had that great spurt to start the season, and you kind of flatten out and you you sometimes forget that when you're implementing a new system and you've got new coaching staff that it does kind of take time to gel. And Florida's shown their patience, and now they they find themselves outside of last night. You know, one of the best teams in the NHL. Yeah,
1: and you know, let's not forget the Florida Panthers. I think it was two years ago they won the President's Trophy. if I'm not right. mistaken. And so this was a team that was on the they were on the rise. I mean, you remember. You know, Joel Quenville was there, mm-hmm. the team was moving forward. Quenville that was early in the season, ended up having to uh, leave the team without all the the, the situation that went on in, in Chicago from years earlier where, you know, Stan Bowman ended up resigning, Joel ended up stepping away. My hope is that Joel gets to come back and coach at some point down the road. He's just uh, he's just a cryptic hockey coach and you know, obviously that's another conversation. But the bottom line is they had a good team then. And they got to the playoffs, and it's a learning experience, right? They got, to, they got knocked out in the second round. They got their clocks cleaned pretty much by a really, obviously a really good Tampa team that was in the midst of winning two cups in a row and going to three straight finals. But you learn there. You come back. Yeah, Paul Maurice comes in, and I think, you know, they added also, let's face it, they added Kachuk to the mix, and that changed the dynamic of their team. But, uh, you know, they, they play the right way now. And to your point with Jock Martinez, they were growing into this. And to me, they're just going to be a hard out in the playoffs. If they're healthy and Bobrovsky is playing well, you know that is a team I don't want to see in the East. I'd, I'd I'd rather play anyone else, to be honest with you.
0: Now, uh, there's a little something going on with the Rangers. Uh, another surprise, I guess, to people that Jonathan Quick's going to start tonight against Tampa. Peter Laviolette said this was the tentative plan for him for Igor Shosturkin to work with Benoit Allaire. But it just seems surprising to me that he's going to sit another game. You could say, well, Quick's been hot. Well, he hasn't been that hot. I mean, he played very well against Colorado, and I guess you want to reward him. But Igor is 6-0-1 lifetime against Tampa with a 5-1 win earlier in the season. So... Uh, what, just what are your thoughts about Quickie starting a second consecutive game here, and Shosturkin, you know, going an extended period of time, counting the All Star break, of not getting a chance to play?
1: Well, I can remember him losing some games to Tampa in the playoffs. So I mean, you know, when you think about the totality of him playing against Tampa, I mean, yeah, he's had some, re- he's had a lot of regular season success against them. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's a long 82 game season, and you know, Johnny and, and Anthony, you guys watch the Rangers probably more closely than I do. Um, but Shesterkin has had his ups and downs. The numbers aren't quite as good. They need him to be playing at his best in April. I agree. So right now, the opportunity to, to play Johnson John Quick provided them with some good goal The plan, Like if the Rangers go into April and Johnson Quick is their starter, they're not going very far. And that's no knock on Johnson Quick. I'm just right. was very surprised. If John's a quick at this point of his career, is going to take you on a two-month journey to win the Stanley Cup. So the idea is we got to we got to we're trying to work with and get him, you know, maybe fix some of the things that have had have that have been problems for him and get him back on track and don't burn him out and you know and maybe get him a little bit revved up, you know, like hey, you know, you're going to sit a couple of games, you know, you got to be better. So maybe they're they're trying that angle as well, but. I got to see him at that at the All-Star, you know, in the All-Star game, and he performed very well. And, and like, all I thought all the goalies played very well. And the thing I noticed about Jesterkin, and, again, it's a different environment. It's an All-Star game, right? It's not the normal game. But, like, he, he – I mean, I've always been very impressed with the way he moves in the net. He moves very smoothly in goal. And he reads the play so well. And I think that's an under – Appreciated aspect of goaltending, I mean, guys who read the play so well and get to the spot so quickly because of that. And he was terrific on those plays where pucks would come across. It seemed like he had trouble almost when when it's a simpler play. And maybe he's over aggressive in those moments. I know Brady Kachuk put one like right, you know, up a shot along the ice and beat him after he had made a number of these like acrobatic stops. So um, you know, maybe that's something that Benoit Lair is working with him. He's, you know, very well, you know, the, he's very, Benoit is very well known for his success in working with goaltenders. So, I'm going to, you know, I think I understand why the Rangers are doing that. And, you know, it's really, we're sitting here in February. The Rangers are in first place. You know, there are things that have to be fixed. they got to go out and get another center, in my view, with Philip Hedon being out of the mix. I don't know, you know, who that player is going to be for them, but they got to try to fill that hole somehow. We'll see how that plays out, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not really at the stage where I'm worrying about just thirteen yet. Although he does have to be better, and they're trying to get him there.
2: EJ, something that kind of surprised me and Don. I know the Kings were struggling, but to fire, uh, Tom McClain after the January that they had came as a surprise, at least to me. Um, we were kind of kicking this around on Monday. Do you think that somebody like Bruce Boudreaux or Craig Berube will fill that spot, or do you think they're going to go interim for the rest of the year? Here, while they do have not only a chance to make the playoffs, but be one of the top three teams in the Pacific, do they stick with the interim, or do they go out and get one of these well, veteran guys that everyone likes to recycle? Well,
1: they they said as much that they were going that Jim Hillier would be Hillier would be there would be the interim coach for the remainder of the season. And they went out and now got D.J. Smith to come in, the former coach of the Ottawa Senators, and he has some connection with Hiller because they were assistants together in Toronto. So that appears to be the plan at this point for the L.A. Kings. I mean, it's tough for Todd McClellan. I got to do Kings Blues before the All-Star break, and uh, I thought the Kings played pretty good in the game. They had a good forward check going. You look at their numbers there. The, their special teams are pretty good. I mean, their penalty killing is excellent. Their power play is is pretty good, and you know they they generate chances. They just weren't scoring, and you know the goaltending Cam Talbot had been had been very good in the first couple of months of the season, and not that he had been that he was bad. He just again, he's just a, you know an older goaltender, and. It's someone that, you know, he's kind of, at this stage of his career, he's kind of like a 1B type of guy. And so now David Riddick has emerged and has, pl- and has played very well, but I don't know if you can really count on him either. And so the LA Kings, to me, at some point in time are going to have to go out and find that number one goalie. Now maybe mm. maybe they can make a deal for Jacob Markstrom either before the end of the season or in the off season. but I think they have to find a way to upgrade that because I like them. The middle. I liked a lot of things about their team, but they're in tough in the Pacific with some really good teams. And as far as Todd McClellan, he's a really good coach. But I think they came to a, to a stage where the expectations were really high, and they were. I think it was three, eight, and two, somewhere in there, in, in over the course of fifteen or sixteen games. But they hadn't been winning, and they decided probably looked at it and said, "Hey." we're at the all-star break. If we're going to make a move, we have to do it now because if we get into February and it's still not working for us. We're, it's going to be too late to make a decision. So that's the nature of things in the NHL. I don't, I just think that, you know, the expectations were so high, they decided they were going to make a move to change things up. And that's what they did. But it's, it's unfortunate for Todd. But I think at the end of the day, to me, when I look at their team, I do think they have to have a more stable Situation and goal. They just don't have that in my mind right now. Talbot is a pretty good goalie, been around a long time. We think it's played well lately. But when you think about what it takes to win a Stanley Cup, I mean, I don't know if either one of those guys is the answer right now.
0: The other topic of conversation, expansion, um, Gary Bettman kind of said that it's not on the horizon, but Utah seems to be hot for a team they're trying to break ground, get an arena for Arizona. That, that, to me, has to be rectified before we start talking about expansion. I know Atlanta wants a team. I'm not really sure about that. Third time around for them. But where do you stand on Arizona, possibly going to Utah? Because that would be a perfect fit as far as the standings are concerned. They can stay right there in the Central Division. Or do you really see it working in Arizona and eventually expanding the 34 teams?
1: I think Arizona is a great market that has just never been served properly there. They've just never had an arena in the right spot. You know, you have to go back to when they first got there when they played in the, you know, in the old basketball arena there where, where the Suns were for the first several years and then they moved to Glendale and that was just kind of a disastrous move because it was it's just nowhere near where the hockey community lives in that area. And we've had this conversation many times, but the bottom line was it just wasn't going to work. And people told me it wasn't going to work in Glendale before they even put a shovel in the ground there, going back to the, you know, to the mid and late nineties, you know? And, and so, but all that is gone now. I mean, all that has gone by, they are playing in the mall arena right now, which is obviously too small to be a long-term solution. The, The, I know the NHLPA and, their their new director marty Walsh, he was uh outspoken in his disappointment with the situation there and the unwillingness of of uh ownership and 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 upper management to kind of communicate more with the union but i think it's a great market i think you could really work there i just don't know this timeline for you know getting uh a, a shovels in the ground and building a place i mean this is going to take years right so for me maybe the solution is to have that franchise sold to the people in Utah who really want a team have that team play in Utah and have a new ownership but again I don't know does does, they, does that does that ownership group in Utah do they want the coyotes or do they want an expansion team you know like people want an expansion team that they can especially with the rules now is as we've talked about it, it's just, that's what's appealing about having an expansion team to start really fresh. So the people in Utah want that, but that would seem to make some sense to me that you transfer there, you go to Utah, you they purchase that team. And maybe there's a, you know, the promise to the, to the people in, in Arizona, like, listen, when you get an arena, when there's settled, when it's settled, you come back in as an expansion team. Now there's a lot of money in all that. That's not where. That's not my 4K. But I'm sure everybody could figure figure something out like that. So I think, you know, that could be a solution. But you're absolutely right. The people in Utah are very, very interested in in having a team there in Salt Lake, and uh, I believe they're going to have one there at some point. The noise is just too loud, and they have the uh, they have the infrastructure to get it done there. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I'd be very I'd be really disappointed if if a, if there's not a team in Arizona, you know, even if there's not a team there for for a while and then they come back. I just think it's a really good market. I think there's a lot of hockey people there. It's it's a growing community. True. Um, we see players come out of that area, but you just can't play in a 5,000 seat building. No, you, it's you just can't do it. You can it, it doesn't work. So, you know, for me, I don't know what the answer is. But I think the market is good, and I think they've never really been in a situation where they could really flourish there because just the different problems with ownership and buildings, and they've got to get that all squared out. But if they could, I think it could be a great place uh, for a team.
0: Houston could be a great place for a team. Uh, Atlanta's hot to get a team yeah. now. Uh, Quebec yeah. City's got a building ready to go. Uh, Portland's always been hungry. Like, it's great to have all of these cities want hockey, but if you expand to thirty-four, which I can't wrap my mind around, with baseball still having thirty, NBA yeah. still having thirty, NFL with thirty-two, yeah. now you're heavy, I guess, in the depending on how it works, because now you got thirty-six teams, so the conferences won't be even, you know. So now you're going to go to thirty-six. When's enough's enough here? I I just don't feel comfortable
1: I, listen, with that I many teams. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think there's probably too many teams now. But I do <laughs> right. 32. It's a great number. It works. You know, it works in a lot of ways. 16 and 16. The eight teams make it. I mean, I think it's it's really a good number. And to go to 34 would, you know, that's now it changes things. Now, you know, we always talk about how many times you play teams in your division. How many times you play teams in your conference. Do you play every single team in the league? It gets to be harder in the course of the schedule. Maybe you have to look at what the schedule looks like. Well, in so, our binder, we'll fix you know, that. <laughs> There's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges, but at the end of the day, you know, and I, Anthony, I, we've talked about it before we came on. Money is, you know, money talks in this world now. I mean, that's just, and it always has really. So, um, the opportunity for the sports business right now is attractive to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, people say, why go back to Atlanta? And I get it. They failed twice there with the flames and with the thrashers, but, Remember, the rules are different. The Thrashers never had an opportunity to be successful. Donnie, we used to talk about this on NHL Live, right? You were very a big proponent of, like, you need that playoff run. You need to have success in those markets to get people to come and right. to become fans and to see the event. And, like, it never happened in Atlanta. They made one playoffs, they were swept by the New York Rangers, and that was the end of it. So, like... If Atlanta, had, if there's people there that have the financial wherewithal and they want to put a building in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, where the team, where the Braves play now, and and you know that's an area. There's hockey there, you know. There's a lot of youth hockey there. Like, and you could go in with a new team and have success. Yeah, I'm not going to say it can't work. Yeah, it didn't work in two previous iterations, but you know there were reasons it didn't work in those in those right. times. So. We'll, well, we'll see. I, I get at the end of the day, if people have the financial wherewithal and they have the, the ability to get the, the proper arena and all the things that you need to be successful, I mean, the league is going to listen. And let's face it, these owners, they, I mean, you, do, you, you make a lot of money from expansion teams coming in. Well, that's and it's the, not money you have to share.
0: Right. That, that's why I think they wouldn't have an appetite to move Arizona to Utah because I think they want to use Utah for the expansion fee.
1: Well, like, here's the thing I would say is that maybe you're able to set, make that sale with the idea that, you know, again, working it out among all the parties, that that expansion fee coming in for a new Arizona team, you know, somehow with. So they would figure that all out. I mean, again, the, the math is not my strength, and money management is not my strength.
0: No, but, but the, yeah. The
1: bottom line is that, you know, I, see, I could see a world where there's a franchise in Salt Lake City and a franchise
0: in Arizona. I'm sorry, Anthony, just real quick. You know, when we we always heard when we were doing NHL Live that maybe the NHL would go back to Hartford because of its proximity to ESPN and all that. How much do they want to go to Atlanta because of TNT?
1: I don't think that, I don't think it has a lot to do with that. I think okay. it has more to do with the fact that there are people there that are willing and have the, they, that are selling that they have the financial wherewithal, they have plans to put a building, like they have what it takes. I don't think it really has much to do with TNT. I mean, it would probably be good for, for TNT, but TNT could be out, like by the time Atlanta comes in the league, TNT's TV contract could be up and maybe they don't have hockey anymore. Like, right. you know, that it comes and goes, those kind of things. So I think the people there are just genuinely. They see it as a good business venture for them, and they say they look at it and they say, yeah, it didn't work with the Thrashers because they, you know, they, the rules were different. They never were competitive. Maybe they were in a place that, you know, although the arena was really nice, it's just maybe not a place where people it's easier for people to get to, and maybe we have a spanking new facility. I mean, the Atlanta Braves went through like three stadiums it seems like in in the last thirty years, and now they're in this this new area. So. I get the sense that that has a lot to do with it. So I I don't think that,
0: you know, it's
1: connected at all to TNT because like you said, like, I mean, like I said, TNT, they have hockey, you know, for the next several years, but it's not a given that they're going to have it
2: forever. CJ, you missed it on Monday. We were talking about expansion. Then we were moving the we were moving teams around. Nashville was going to move yeah. to the East. It was a whole big thing. We had a whole we had it all figured out. Uh, it was really beautiful.
1: Well, uh, you might listen. You you might. I mean, when you get to you know, like listen. I've seen in my lifetime we've gone from six when I was a small boy <laughs> to to thirty two. Right. I mean, like so. I don't know where where this. Where this where's the right number? Where it ends? I mean, they, the world is growing. Business is different. The, the, the world is such a different place now than than it was when I was, you know, growing up. And there was the sixteens, and then there was twelve, and it eventually moved on from there. So, um, you know, what's the right number? I mean, I don't know. I it's think it's not thirty four. It's all business. It's, I think it's they're
0: I think they're perfect right, right now.
1: Right now. I, Get- listen, I like thirty two. I'm with you. I like thirty two. In fact. I might really like 24, to be honest with you. <laughs> But <that's laughs> right. unrealistic, right? That's just not realistic as to, you know, the business and uh, what the goals are. And, and remember, we're not even talking about the idea. And this was something that, that people talked about a lot in the last 30 years. How about that team in, in Stockholm? How about that team in, you know, in Finland? How about oh, that no. team in Prague? I mean, like, that's where, like, we seem in the next 50 years that maybe we're headed towards things like that. I don't know, but um, you know, it'll be fascinating to watch and for, you know, that young boy or girl who's listening to this right now, who's a big hockey fan, like, like we were when we were little, right? Like who knows what the, what the landscape is going to look like, you know, 50 years from now, you know? So it's going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, I think it's, Again, from my limited perspective, it's challenging because I think we're already a little thin in terms of the player pool, but, you know, it's a great game, and people love to come and watch, and, you know, I think we see it with all the sports. So and remember one other thing with the the NHL, you know, compared to the the other sports leagues. We have several teams in Canada, as we should, with hockey being what it is in Canada. Like, the NFL doesn't have teams in Canada, really. I mean, the NBA has one. Major League Baseball has one, right? So, like, if if those sports had a team in Vancouver, a team in Montreal, like now all of a sudden now you're looking at 34, 35 teams. So that's another that's another thing when you look at the NHL. You know, they they have teams dotted all across North America. So, you know, we'll, we're we're going to see how it plays out, but it it'll be interesting to watch. That's for sure.
0: Well, man, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for giving us some time. We hadn't talked to you in a while. Thanks, EJ. Yeah,
1: good to catch up, guys, and uh, hopefully we'll see you
0: soon. All right, we'll try to get back on uh, the Monday trail. Thanks, man.
1: All right, you got it. Bye.
0: All right, that is great. EJ Raddick, check him out on the NHL Network. Always fun to talk to him. Three games tonight, Anthony. Uh, Just three, and we were just talking about the Rangers and the Lightning. Seven o'clock, Jonathan Quick makes the start. Can the Rangers make it three in a row? That'd be nice. Stars and the Leafs, that's not nothing either. That's a good one. Wild and the Blackhawks. It smells
2: like uh, an for, over game.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Well, 930, so that's the second game of the doubleheader on TNT. And they obviously thought they were going to get Bedard when they made that schedule. But I would imagine uh, so, yes. Yeah. So that's not going to really work out as far as uh, that's concerned. But uh, tons of games coming up on Thursday. Uh, The Michael to show is going to be out at UBS for the Islanders and the Lightning. So if you're going to be in the area, they're opening the doors. The game is at 8 o'clock face-off because it's a standalone game on ESPN. But
2: they have the park out there. You can go to that. Right, and they're going to be opening the doors at
0: 5. Usually they open the doors an hour before the game, but they're going to open it up at 5 o'clock. So if you're going to the game, come early. Come by and say hello.
2: Have some special guests, I believe. Yeah,
0: I mean, we're definitely going to have... uh, a couple of uh, Icelanders, Iceland former Icelanders, hopefully be able to get uh, somebody off uh, the current thing. Also, we should also mention too, um, when the Islanders beat the Leafs back on Monday, mm-hmm. that Kyle McLean, yes, scored a goal. John McLean's son, former Devil, former Ranger, um, former Devils coach, now an assistant coach under Patrick Wall with the Islanders. And he stayed on after Lane Lambert was let go, and his 24-year-old son scored his first National Hockey League goal in his sixth game. That was so pretty cool. That was pretty cool, so I wanted to be able to uh, to mention that. So, uh, Anthony, let's try this again on Friday. You know what Friday means. We'll go right back to the, the power rankings, the top five of the week, and yep. uh, get you ready for for the weekend as we're getting deeper into the season here. You know, know, when uh, you look at a lot of teams have played 50, some over 50 games, so we're getting down to the stretch. All-Star game is over, so stretch run begins for some of these teams trying to get into the playoffs or solidify a division title like what the Rangers are trying to do in the Metropolitan Division, so let's reconvene on Friday. Let's do it. All right, we'll talk to you again then. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGrecah.